Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our reading this morning comes from John 19, chapter, or verses 28 through 30. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of a hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning and happy Easter, everyone. So excited to have such a big group. It's so fun to see so many people. I know for a lot of you all, you have been in quarantine. You haven't attended uh, yet in person, and here you are. It's a delight to see you. And there are many of you who are here for the first time. I just want to say welcome. I'm so excited that you guys are here. Uh, we as a church, are, the Vine is a five-year-old church and uh, we have a very, very simple mission, and it's to, as a community, for us to figure out what does it mean for us to follow Jesus together. We believe that everyone is on a journey. Everyone has a next step to take, whether they are exploring faith for the first time, kind of trying to reconstruct what does a life with Jesus look like, or for people who've been at it for a while. We all have a next step in our journey. And that idea of being on a journey is very central to uh, the Christian tradition. Uh, even the idea of being on pilgrimage is a, a, a central part for a lot of people's religious experience. For some people, they might go on a pilgrimage to the Holy Lands. For other people, it might be a pilgrimage uh, retracing St. Patrick's Steps in Ireland. For many of you, your pilgrimage is to Franklin Barbecue or to the silos in Waco for some weird reason. Um, but there's one pilgrimage that I've been thinking about, and I've heard about more and more in the last couple years. It's a pilgrimage in Spain called the Camino de Santiago. I'm curious, has anyone here been on that pilgrimage? Raise your hand proudly. Anyone? Nobody. Okay, I've totally made it up. I've totally made it up. No, it's a, it's a pilgrimage that... Um, in its fullness, it's 490 miles that people usually do in a matter of 35 days in the northern part of Spain. And some friends of mine who have gone on it, they all have these stories of meeting people from all over the world, sharing the journeys together, walking with each other for diff different legs of the journey. And as they do so, they are going through the vineyards of northern Spain, through the mountains of Leon, through these medieval cities. And their goal is to make it into Santiago. And the, and the journey actually ends in this cathedral in Santiago. And uh, there are a lot of different traditions that people have as they go on this pilgrimage. But one of them I found interesting was as they make it into the city, there is like this kind of this race of who can see the spires of the cathedral first. Whoever can see the cathedral first and they... They see it first. They, they are declared the king or the queen of the group, and, uh, which is kind of a fun tradition. Uh, but, there, but there's something even more to it. It's, they're supposed to say something when they see the cathedral for the first time. And it's the, 
the phrase monyoi, which means my joy, my delight. It's like this idea of after being on this journey for miles and miles to see that you have arrived, you declare my joy. And then the rest of your group has to call you a king. It's an odd, it's an odd tradition, but I, I love that idea of being on a journey together. We as a community, we've been on a journey with Jesus over these, this season of Lent, over these last seven weeks. We have walked with Christ and with one another as we are walking through Scripture, retelling the story of Jesus. And even here on our Sunday mornings, we've been looking at the final seven statements that Jesus said upon the cross. One might ask the question, why would you linger for seven weeks at such a horrific sight? Such a brutal sight. Well, what we've seen together, these last words that Jesus said on the cross were rich and full of meaning and significance that these statements reveal actually the power of Christ's work, not only in that time, but for our lives together in our world here and now, that in those last words, Jesus created a sense of family, a community. Jesus talked about that kind of forgiveness that he wanted his father to extend. I actually read from a, a pastor who's uh, preached at our church, guy named Rich Viotas. He said, um, it's kind of a turning of what we might think of when we think of the cross. He said uh, that the cross did not change God's view of us. The cross did not change God's view of you. God was never against you. The cross is meant to change our view of who God is. And what we've seen in these seven weeks and these seven statements is a surprising Savior who loved us to the very end and extended grace and mercy further than anyone could have imagined that our Savior was with us. And through the cross, we could be assured that there is no hell that we might go through that Jesus didn't experience, that there's no sense of abandonment that we can go through in our life that your Savior hasn't suffered. Jesus is with us all the way down so that today on an Easter, we might know that we are with him when he rises again. But today we are here at this final statement, one that rings with power and with promise. It's the word, it is finished. Now, there's different ways that we could understand that statement. There could be a very simple reading of it where Jesus said, it's done, it's accomplished, it's over with, kind of like a fair, farewell of sorts. But we know that there's much more going on with those words. Jesus was on a mission. He had a goal set in his mind, a destination where he was going. And for 33 years, he had a singular aim with his life. And in this moment, he sees that it is complete. That phrase, it is finished, is actually one word in the original language. Tetelestai is the word, meaning it's finished or fulfilled or accomplished that word's only used twice in all of the New Testament, and it's actually both times are in the reading that we just heard read. It is in these words, later on knowing that everything had been finished to Telestai, when Jesus had received a drink, he said, it is finished. Now, the author of this book, John, he's trying to make something incredibly clear for you and I, that Jesus is not just some passive victim. He's just not some sad scapegoat or victim of circumstance that 
Jesus was on a mission, and that mission led him to that moment upon the cross. And he used this word that was most commonly used to telestai. It was most commonly used in trade. Whenever someone was in agreement or bargaining with someone else, and they would agree on something, and that was accomplished, when that was completed, that person would announce, it is finished. All right, it's done. It's complete. It's paid in full. Imagine that day, some of us are still imagining this day, when college debt is paid off in full. Or imagine that day where, like, you know, this is a tradition that, that used to happen in America and Europe, but when your mortgage is paid off and you have a, a mortgage burning party where it's like, hey, it's done. Uh, or think about someone who's a bond servant, who's more than just paying down their debt, it's actually being relieved, being set free. This word to telestai, when it is said, it's because someone is happy. Usually one person in the agreement is really, really happy. It's finished. It's a word of achievement. It's a cry of victory. And upon the cross, Jesus is using that word to say it's now over. It's complete. It's paid in full. What is finished? Well, the power of sin and death is finished. The weight of shame and guilt that is all too common used in empty religion, friends, it was finished. Our attempts of proving ourselves through being good enough, religious enough, moral enough, it's finished. Empty religion that tries just to cover up brokenness, it's finished. I believe upon that tragic cross, Jesus saw the completion of his mission and he could have joined in the words and the tradition of the Camino when he saw it over with for him to declare, my joy, it's finished. The journey is over with. This is why it's good for us to stop and look upon this cross that we have. Hebrews 12 says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter or finisher, literally the finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, the finisher of our faith, was compelled to endure the cross for a greater joy because he saw what others didn't, that he would be declared king because he saw something that no one else saw before him. The cross was going to be used to scorn shame. It was going to complete it all, that he sat down with his father. Why did he sit down? Because it was finished. And how do we know it was finished? How do we know it's still finished in our life today? What proof do we have? Well, friends, it's Easter. The empty tomb validates the power and the declaration of the one upon the cross who said it is finished. Our Redeemer lives. Your Redeemer lives. And the power of the resurrection, it started 2,000 years ago, but Jesus wants it to happen here and now. This is why we gather on Easter. It's not only to remember what Jesus did, but what Jesus still wants to do 
in us and through us, in your life, what Jesus wants to declare, what is finished for you. Jesus' final words from the cross, it's interesting, it actually, there's an echo of it later on, some of his final words in all of Scripture in Revelation 21, some of the last words spoken in the Bible from our Savior, and it is this, and I heard, this is the writer saying, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them, be with them, that they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And this is the promise that Jesus has. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. And then Jesus said, it is done. It's finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I'm the one who started it all, and I'm the one who finishes it all. And the reality is, in 2021, on this beautiful day, we need this word. Because if we were to look around, there are still tears in our midst. There's still suffering in our midst. A year into this pandemic, we can be a tired people. The people from the AAPI community, they're still crying out for mercy and for justice, asking to be seen. There's still some of us who are feeling the effects of having COVID months later. There's still racial violence not only found in our streets or filling our courtrooms, filmed by our youth. We need this Easter message today. I'm reminded, though, that that first Easter, it didn't begin with beautiful people wearing pastel colors on a gorgeous day, although y'all do look beautiful in your pastels. That first Easter, if you look back in Scripture, it began with people hiding in their homes, distance, quarantined, in fear. It began with people confused and frightened, not sure what to do next. It, it began with people in mourning, people who had lost all hope, similar to many of our experiences that we're carrying into this moment today. But on that Easter morning, when they found the stone had been rolled away, hope interrupted despair Light broke into the darkness and resurrection hijacked a funeral. That's the same power for us today. And I think it's important for us to notice that Jesus did not say, I am finished. Jesus said, it is finished. Because Jesus wasn't done. Jesus isn't done. The good news is still in our midst and hope is not done accomplishing the work that it wants to do in our lives. Easter is God's reminder that his power exists outside of our expectations. As one theologian, Frederick Bickner, he once said that Easter always means that the worst thing is not the last thing. The cross would not be the last thing. The tomb would not be the last thing. Your despair, your suffering, your mourning, you're, that will not be the last thing because God is a redeeming God. Jesus is the beginning and the end. God always finishes what God starts. 
and Jesus will not abandon you. Christ has a good work for you, and you will see it into the end. If only we could begin to live into that reality. What we find here in this final word, it is finished. Not only has the sin, not only has sin and brokenness been taken away, but not only has the sting of death have been taken away, and this declaration is more than just taking things away from us. It's also about what we are provided, what we are given. Peace is now provided. Hope is now secured. The battle is won. That means that from now on, those who are found in Christ, their lives, their futures, they're secure. We now begin in the footing of victory upon this finished work that Jesus declared for us. Upon the cross, Jesus could expand that one singular word by saying, this is finished. It's complete. It's done. It's paid in full. So now, if that is the case, give me your insecurities. Give me your inadequacies. Give me your shame, your guilt. They don't belong to you anymore. It's finished. Your anxieties, your fear, your struggle, your sin, they, they don't belong to you anymore. They, they're mine. So come now. Come, join into the mercy that extends into eternity. For all that I have is now yours, and everything that you once thought was yours is now mine. So take on my delight, my joy, my victory, my goodness, and let me give you all that I am in return. You see, friends, through the work of the cross, no longer can sin claim us. No longer can shame or guilt lay a hand on us. No longer will we need to continue to prove that we're good enough or moral enough or holy enough. You just need to know that you're loved enough. It is the demonstration of what we find in this words that came long before Jesus, but one that pointed to who Jesus was. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. And I just want to make this personal for this moment. As we think that pilgrimages are usually this like idea of our journey to be with God, our travels to be close to God, that's not the most central message we find in Scripture. Because what's most important is not your journey to be with God. What's most important is for you to know that God has gone to great lengths to be with you. The fundamental central story of our scripture is that Jesus has journeyed with this relentless love to be with you so that on this Easter morning, regardless of how you're coming in today, that you might know through this mercy and through this extravagant love as Christ sees you not only upon the cross, but also through this empty tomb. When he sets his eyes upon you after this pilgrimage that he has been on, I promise you that he declares my joy. Friends, this Easter, you are Christ's joy. If only we could believe it. If only we could have that Easter hope. Let us pray now to the one who has loved us to the end. We thank you, Christ. We thank you, Christ, that on this Easter day that we could be filled with hope, surprising hope. 
And I pray for us that we would be filled with greater imagination that the worst thing is not the last thing. I pray, God, that we would know that your love endures forever. And I pray for my friends who are gathered here this day that you would surprise us with life anew, that you would surprise us with mercy anew. I pray, God, that you would fill us with an Easter hope that we might actually believe that we are your joy, that you claimed us by your name. And so on this Easter day, we just want to say we thank you. We love you. And friends, if you would just go ahead and stand up as we stand in worship. Just take a moment. I would just encourage you just to take a moment just to consider your life. Where might the victorious Savior want to declare over you, it is finished. What is the battle you're still waging that perhaps this victorious Savior is declaring a victory over? Just take a moment and receive Jesus' declaration, not only put the from the cross, but also from this empty tomb that it is truly finished. Extend that need to Christ in prayer. May your Easter power claim us, we pray so that we could be people for your praise, to extend your love to all. Thank you, Christ. Praise your name. Amen.